Physicians often pay attention to life insurance needs, but fail to consider the possibility of a debilitating incident. Now, we have a greater statistical chance of suffering a severe disability that impedes our ability to work more than losing our life prematurely. And while some people have the financial resources to fund a disability on their own, most need disability insurance to cover that risk. So what's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and welcome back to the show. As you know, I am a fee-only financial planner at Physician Wealth Services, and we work exclusively with physicians nationwide in building out and implementing their financial plans to help them live out their ideal lives. We're fiduciaries, and we don't sell any products, right? We're fee-only planners. We would love to work with you, all of you, if you are looking to gain confidence in understanding your own finances. So reach out to us at physicianwealthservices.com. On our show, we're going to be talking all about disability insurance and how it has changed dramatically over the past decade, which has actually a lot to say about the changes made around just because of COVID-19. So I've brought on an industry expert, Matt Wiggins from Pattern, to discuss what he's seen happen in the market right now and why he actually thinks this might be one of the best times to ever get disability insurance, even if you've been denied insurance in the past which definitely raised my eyebrows because we have been in that situation with my better half. So let's jump in, talk to Matt, and let's see what we can learn. Matt, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Excited to have you here. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is going to be fantastic because everything is changing in our world right now, and that does not exclude insurance, specifically disability insurance. So quick disclaimer, we are recording on April 23rd. This is what we know to be accurate and somewhat true. As of now, literally, I mean, this could be changed tomorrow, even before we go live, but we're recording towards the end of April here. And I think we should just start it off with what is actually changing? What are the insurance companies doing now that are different during this pandemic? Well, it's really interesting for insurance. Insurance companies are really slow to change when it comes to things like things are beneficial for you, like discounts or how they do underwriting. But you throw a pandemic out there, it's kind of a new risk. And all of a sudden they change really quickly. It's pretty amazing. And so we've seen a lot of things. We've seen everything from them extending grace periods from 30 days if you can't make your payment on your policy out to 90 days or giving you two extra months to actually make payments on your policies. A lot of them are relaxing their medical requirements. So you used to have to do labs and a physical to get coverage. And a lot of them are either doing away with it completely or at least raising the limits for which you have to get those done. And a lot of them are raising their limits overall and just saying, hey, come get a bunch more coverage with us. So I don't know. I've seen a lot of changes that have taken a lot of time. These changes have happened really fast. And so it's good to try to stay up on them. Yeah. So, you know, we don't sell products at Physician Wealth Services. We're fee-only planners and we utilize excellent firms like yourself to help us run quotes and help clients get coverage. And one of the things that I've kind of seen or heard now that this we're kind of full into this pandemic is that they're really having more extensive phone interviews and relying more on EMRs versus traditional medical records to kind of speed up the process. And then are they changing like labs because it was it was kind of like as we were running some calls it was like well we may have to do labs and we might not have to and mm-hmm. i know that's probably going to be dependent on the carrier as well but what are you kind of seeing around how they're utilizing traditional records and emrs and all that 
Yeah, exactly. So first of all, there was a new company that came out a few years ago called Human API, where they're going and getting medical records much more quickly now. And they interface with the insurance companies. And so I know some of the big names like Principal and Guardian, some others are using that now. So any chance they get to use EMR to get the records electronically and to not have to fax things back and forth, they really are trying to do it, but even more so now. But they are increasing when you do the phone interview. It is a little bit more extensive. So be prepared to answer questions about your health history that maybe you haven't even thought of in a while, because ultimately they're trying to decide, do we need you to even go for records? They're going to do the questions with you. They're going to do a script check and then they're going to make a decision. Do we need to try to go for any records? And so, yeah, be prepared for a little bit more extensive interview, but absolutely they're trying to use electronic medical records any way they can. As far as the limits go, for labs, we've seen companies say, hey, it used to be 2500 a month in coverage. Anything above that, you have to get labs for that. Well, those same companies now are up to 7500 a month in coverage with no labs. I know that some companies have hit 10000 And then you've got some companies like Guardian who are going all the way up to $30,000 a month with no labs and no physical. And so you're really looking at the situation where if you've ever been wanting to get coverage, but you're nervous about getting stuck or not wanting to have to go through labs or maybe something unforeseen might come up, something unexpected, this is an amazing time. I've never seen them do this. I've never seen them go above 65 or 7,500 without labs. And most of the companies are hitting that and far exceeding it. How is Guardian able to pare back the risk on the $30,000? I mean, that that is my blood. I knew... $10,000 caps. I know that they're helping out some residents, which we can talk about next, maybe some of those changes, but how are they doing 30000 Yeah, that's a great question. So some of these companies are kind of forward thinking. Some of them are a little bit slower to evolve to things. In the last few years, anyways, Guardian used to be this old stodgy, big mutual company, insurance company. They've gotten very aggressive. There's been some change at leadership. They're dynamically changing their offerings as far as technology goes. And so they even tried some things recently. They were trying to pilot something with us and a few other folks where they were going to ask like 12 knockout questions. And they think that they've got underwriting down. They have so much, such a big sample size through the years that they think they can ask 12 questions and be pretty accurate with knowing whether they would offer you a policy or not. And so I think this is just kind of an extension of that. They said, hey, we don't want anyone to feel like they have to go get seen by somebody. We don't want to cause anybody to be at risk. And so they were already kind of leaning that way towards getting rid of medical records and certainly getting rid of the, the labs and the physical. So I think this is just them carrying over that mindset and saying, hey, I think we can just not require it for any amount of coverage. So they've got some other input sources that they have, whether it's the human API or it's the script check or whatever it is they're doing that they feel confident enough. They've looked at the algorithms and everything enough to know that they can offer that without having you do the labs or the physical. That's insane. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic that they're forward thinking. I mean, you mentioned it even yourself, faxing, like that's welcome to the 21st century. We No one actually has a fax. We're just going to email it. I get why they're doing it, but they do need to up their game. All of them need to up their game in terms of how they're doing underwriting and what's efficient with technology. We'll look back on this and we'll realize that would have taken the insurance industry five to 10 years to do. A lot of them are having to do it in five to 10 months or five to 10 weeks. I mean, it's really shortened up that cycle of change for them. So I know that this is a crisis. I know that this is not a good thing, but this is one of the positives for the insurance world is it's forcing them to modernize and catch up with everyone else. So it's got some silver linings in it. Yeah, I'm always a glass half full person. And this is fantastic news for all of us because not only is it going to be easier to get coverage, coverage should actually become cheaper if you can leverage technology 
If anything has shown us over time, the more tech you use, then the cheaper this product should actually cost. That's right. So, it, you know, they've always had a, a great job guardian themselves of branding, right? The Cadillac of insurance products, right? And now they're stepping ahead. So it's fantastic to hear. What are some of the insurance companies doing for those in quarantine states? Are those going to be handled differently? Are they sticking out an olive branch at all to help those in quarantine right now? You know, I, I think the insurance companies see it as by not requiring the labs or the physical, that's kind of their olive branch. They're still looking at having to do underwriting, pretty much doing everything else the rest of the way. They haven't really changed pricing. A lot of people, I've heard people ask, well, are they changing pricing? Is it going to be more expensive from this? And I think some people are spreading that out there. But from everything we've heard and seen, that could happen, but none of them are contemplating it or even obviously putting it into play yet. So as far as an olive branch, I would see it as, hey, medical underwriting has never been more lax, if you will, as far as not requiring labs or physical. And I know that they're hurting a little bit for business, at least most of the carriers are. I even had someone tell me the other day that we work with, hey, listen, it was kind of a case with a doctor who had some health history that normally would have precluded him from getting a policy. And they said, don't hesitate to send this case in. He very may well likely get a policy because they really want the business. So it's a buyer's market right now, if you're in the market for disability insurance, for sure. Unlike anything I've seen in my 12 plus years of working exclusively with doctors and DI. Yeah. So I'll ask a personal question on this one. So my wife is type one diabetic. We've tried everywhere. I mean, literally even Lloyd's of London and she's in fantastic. I mean, she can go run a half marathon right now. Like, Great health, but type 1 diabetic since she was really young. Being in a buyer's market, would this solve any of those issues? Or because she hasn't been able to get coverage, is this something that not waste our time? Well, disability insurance is something that's kind of interesting. A lot of doctors don't realize this, but if you get declined for disability insurance from one company, then the rest of the companies more than likely will decline you just because of that. Even if you'd gone to those other companies first and they'd given you a fully blown policy, it'd have been fine. So you have to know the hot button issues of each carrier, each company, and make sure you go to the right one first. That's why getting it right the first time is really a big deal. So as far as your wife's concerned, if she's got some declines on a record, that may hold her back from getting the coverage. But as far as it being a buyer's market, there are some things that preclude people from getting disability insurance altogether. If your build is outside their charts, I mean, even off the charts outside of the normal, and then several layers past that, you may not get coverage. Of course, you have HIV AIDS. A lot of times that's not going to be covered. Type 2 diabetes, more than likely not going to be covered. But anything that's on the fringe, and I'd say type 1 diabetes, I've seen people get policies with that you have to know that this is the best chance that she may get. So yeah, I'd say anyone that's got some health issues and they're saying, hey, I've either applied before or I've been scared to apply, it's now. It's a good time for sure. That's fantastic to hear. We had a client that was offered an off anniversary option, which I thought was really strange. And it was because they were in New York on the front lines. Is this something that other coverage or other companies are doing? Or is this normal? Or is that was a one-off thing? It was very strange. It was just an off anniversary yeah. So most companies in the last few years have really altered how they do their increases on their policies. And in a lot of cases, you can get off anniversary increase options. You just have to go hunting for them. You have to go ask them for it. They don't let you know that you have that option. So it may just be the case that maybe some people are being more proactive and letting certain people know that they have those options. I'm not aware of companies completely changing how they do their increases, but I do know over the last few years that's been relaxed. So more than likely that option was already there and someone just is letting people know, hey, this might be a good time to use your off anniversary option. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they the personal finance is personal, right? Everything is yep. changing at any time. You got it. A lot of the listeners are female physicians, and we've talked a little bit about gender neutral rates or unisex rates. We know that some of the programs are trying to go away. Some have completely gone away. Maybe can you give us a status update of like, well, one, I probably let's give a quick high level overview of like what a unisex rate is or gender neutral rate is. And then what programs are actually remaining and how does that look right now during pandemic times? This is a huge issue. So the way that disability insurance works, it's kind of the opposite of life insurance. So with life insurance, men typically die sooner, right? Life expectancies are shorter for men. And so because of that, the risk event happens more frequently or sooner, I guess, not more frequently, but sooner. And so the insurance companies charge men more for life insurance. On the flip side of that, there are more disabilities coming from women. And a lot of it revolves around things like pregnancy and labor and delivery and things like that that men don't deal with. So women just simply have a higher rate of disability. So the insurance companies, to make all their numbers work, they have to charge women more. There is this thing called a unisex rate out there. It used to be more prevalent, still available. I'll talk about that in a second. But it basically brings the rate down closer to a male rate. And so it brings the male rate up a little bit, the female rate down a little bit. And normally you find it in conjunction with large groups. You kind of have to go in with a large group. It's kind of a mix of men and women. What they found is through the years, it used to be you had unisex rates for a lot of the different companies, but then all of a sudden one company caved and got rid of it. And now the rest of them are like, well, now all these assumptions that we have based on the percentage of men to women, typically disability insurance, two thirds of the buyers are men and one third is women. Well, that's changed a lot due to a lot of the, the demographics with women working more you know, in the last few decades. But also when all of a sudden now fewer carriers had these unisex rates, all the women were flooding to them and throwing off all their actuarial assumptions. And so one by one, they got away from it and they kind of quit doing it. So right now, I know that Mass Mutual had unisex rates as of about a year and a half ago. Then they started really whittling them down and getting rid of them. And then now there's very few options left to be able to, to get unisex rates with Mass Mutual. You have to talk to specific people to get it. I know that they have a couple of states left right now that you're able to get them in. I think it's California, New York. Connecticut and maybe Puerto Rico, I think. But there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through because they know they're doing that there. Underwriting's really tight there. It's very difficult to get one of the policies. So that's an option, but it's not really a great option. Principal had unisex for forever, but they got rid of it for residents and fellows. But they do have it still for attendings because it's based on basically three, as they call it, lives, three people from the same employer excluding residents and fellows. So a lot of doctors would benefit from, we, we try to help doctors time this up a lot, female physicians, as they're leaving residency, you can go ahead and line up your disability insurance based on being a resident and, and all of that, but you can also get the discounts based on where you're headed if there's a discount at that employer. So discounts are permanent, meaning that wherever, you know, we've worked with thousands of doctors through the years, we have discounts set up at a, you know, hospitals and employers all over the country. And if it's already there, then you can just jump on board and get it. If it's not there, then you will have to get two other folks on board with you to apply at least within 12 months. The way that these things work is you have to apply. Let's say one person applies in January from your employer and then another person applies in March and another person in August. Then all three of the females get the unisex rate. Actually, they could be men and women, but the women will get the unisex rate discount. And it even ret retroactively works for the people who apply earlier and they get a refund of the overpayment of premium. 
So it's out there for attendings through principal. It's out there in very limited fashion, somewhat difficult through mass mutual in certain situations. And then finally, believe it or not, there's a situation where Emeritus has unisex rates for doctors in Ohio. So take it for what it's worth. That's, that's out there too. Otherwise, there can be some unisex rates through some group plans, although a lot of group plans are not the best coverage. And so you have to kind of weigh better coverage if you're not in a unisex situation much better coverage, but with gender specific rates or unisex with a lot, uh, with kind of some stripped down coverage that may not be the best. I've been given a bunch of resident talks and I believe this was John Hopkins. There was talking to them where they, the residents, they had a GSI plan. It wasn't as strong. It didn't have like a true own OC inside of it, but they still had a unisex rate. And mm -hmm. it was like, well, you got to weigh out like the positives and the negatives with these things yep. because you want true own OC. That is very, very important. But if you have health concerns and might not get coverage and especially with females and discounts and all sorts of stuff, the programs are out there, but they might not, like you said, be the best coverage possible. You mentioned California, and I think we owe it to everyone to talk about why California is just so nasty when it comes to obtaining coverage for physicians and specifically female physicians. Yeah. So California, I'll tell you what, it's one of my favorite states. I'm originally from Georgia. My wife's from Alabama. We live right in the middle of the country in Omaha, but we have really enjoyed taking trips out to California. I do some all-day sessions, some seminars for the graduating residents at Kaiser out there and some different things. And so um, we love our time going out and visiting. So great state, but it is awful for insurance. A couple of reasons. Number one, the regulatory environment is so heightened in California. There's so much bureaucracy. So when an insurance company comes to California and says, hey, we want to set up shop and have a policy here, first of all, it's much more expensive for them to get their policy approved there and for them to do business there because of all the red tape and regulation. But then it might take them two years to get their policy approved for sale in California versus the one month in some other states. I mean, it's, it's just a vast difference in the amount of time it takes, too. So sometimes it's more expensive. Well, it, almost all the time. I'll, I, I could say all the time. Someone will, I'm sure, find a loophole or something. But almost all the time, California is going to be vastly more expensive than the rest of the country because of all this red tape, the time it takes. And it's just a fact. These companies have bad experiences in California. There are many, many more claims in California than any other state. And so they look at their loss ratios is what they call it. They look at some other things and they say, we have to charge a premium in California because there's a higher likelihood of people being disabled there. So I haven't dug into the reasons why. I just have the carriers tell me that. I'm sure uh, they could give me lots of details, but that's just a fact. And then another thing that happens is they modify the policies because California says, we don't like this particular thing or this, that, or the other. So they have to alter definitions in their contracts, which is costly and it makes the policies not as robust sometimes. And then sometimes you're just operating with older contracts. You know, there's several companies right now. Mass Mutual is one of them. I know that um, Emeritus is one of them, uh, or Ohio National, I'm sorry, is one of them. They've been trying to get in California for a while, and it's just taken them forever. So you're dealing with old pricing and old policies still in California, and updated policies and pricing is just not there yet. It's a lot of things, but it's the higher rates. It's the modifications due to California forcing certain things. And it's, you know, sometimes dealing with older versions of their policies and their pricing. Yeah. We've talked about geographic arbitrage on the show with, in terms of like your incomes, right? If you're going to work in one state versus another, right? It's more expensive to live 
in California and your pay isn't going to be as high because everyone wants to live here, mm-hmm. right? Versus, you know, let's say Nebraska. But <laughs> but if someone is, wants to live here, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, well, not not that you wouldn't <laughs> want to live there, but your cost of living is extremely cheap compared to it is here, in, especially in San Diego. But what would be some advice for those that are, let's say, residents that are going to think that they're going to move to California or attending is going to actually go and switch jobs and take a job in California? What's some good food for thought for them? Yeah. So I think there's several things to think about. Number one, disability insurance really is something that is harder to get than a lot of other kinds of insurance. We've seen doctors get declined for disability insurance, and they were approved at standard rates for life insurance. Because obviously, the things that will potentially disable you, there's a lot more of those. And it's a lot harder to actually get something that'll kill you. So disability, they have to be very, very careful. And so when people tell you that disability insurance is something you should have gotten yesterday, I mean, it really is true. It's not a sales gimmick. It's not whatever. It's literally the younger you are, the healthier you are. So much of life is unforeseen, right? So you got to get it while you're as young and healthy as possible. Even if you've had some health stuff, you're still probably healthier than you will be 10 years from now or five years from now. So the sooner you can get some disability insurance locked in, the better, because in a lot of cases, you also, you not only buy that first policy, but you get the guaranteed right to increase it. And without any future medical checks or checks on your health or anything like that. So it's kind of one of those things where if you get a policy now, and then a year from now, you have a, a bout with some form of cancer and you come out of it fine. But if you go to get disability insurance afterwards, it's not going to happen more than likely, or it's going to be very difficult or expensive. If you'd already gotten some coverage and then you needed to increase it two years down the road, they don't even take a look at that incident, at that health issue. They just go ahead and increase your coverage. So I would say you absolutely, if you're thinking that you might be moving to California, you absolutely want to go ahead and lock in some coverage. Even if, let's say you're in, in residency or somewhere and you just can't afford a ton of coverage right now. Go ahead and lock in your Illinois rates or your Ohio rates or your whatever rates. Go ahead and lock those in and then know what company that you're actually going to be working with. Because some of the companies, if you move to California, you go to increase your coverage. They'll keep your old rates on the first policy, but on the increase, they'll charge you the new California rates. Some companies, whenever you get the first policy in another state, even if you move to California, any increases you make will be on the original state's rates. So you want to be really careful which company you're getting, make sure that you apply and kind of get the ball rolling before you leave that state and head to California, or you might find yourself paying 50% more I mean, or, or more. I mean, it's not like a 10% difference. It is a massive difference. It absolutely is a massive difference. And I feel like that difference has really been magnified when it's a female physician versus a male physician when we helped clients get some quotes. You'd mentioned a little bit there on, you kind of carried it one of the writers. As we round out the show, I think it'd be really good to kind of talk through a couple of the writers that maybe physicians should have in there. And then maybe some of the ones that are tossed in that not necessarily that they might not need. And I will give you the disclaimer here so you don't have to, right? <laughs> this is not specific advice to you. Right. Your situation is unique. We always say this on the show, right? To keep compliance happy, but Also, it's actually true. Mm -hmm. We don't know you. We don't know what's going on. Your situation, your health, your income, your specialty, all of this is very different between each one of you listening. So 
it's generic, but I think this is going to help if you just understand what some of the writers are and if they're good or bad. Yeah, absolutely. So we get asked this a lot, obviously. And first, you need to understand what a writer is. If you don't, there's a base policy, there's a base benefit. And so you go out and you buy a disability policy, it's going to cover you for $10,000 a month. If you get disabled, they'll pay you $10,000 a month after some elimination period, some waiting period, and they'll pay you until a retirement age, 65, 67, something like that. Riders are simply things that the companies allow you to add to the policy if you want additional coverage, or sometimes people call them sweeteners, they just make it a better policy. Some of them are not needed, and some of them we think are, and some of them are up to you. I kind of see there's kind of two categories in our, our eyes. There's basically the essential, the ones that you should absolutely get, and then you have some optional ones. So some of the companies are true own occupation coverage. They will cover the specific duties or procedures of your medical specialty or subspecialty. And if you can't do those things from a disability, an illness or injury, they pay you the full benefit regardless of whether you can go and do another job or not. And so that's the kind of coverage doctors want to get. Some of the policies are that already. It's the base definition in the contract. Some of the companies have policies where you have to add it to it. You have to add an own occupation rider. So it kind of goes without saying, but you want to make sure that the policy you're buying either already in its base definition is a true ONOC policy, or you want to make sure that you add the rider that makes it a true own occupation policy. So that one to us is absolutely essential for doctors. The second one that's essential, that's got different names, but it's going to be something like partial disability, recovery, residual. You're going to see names like that. The idea, I think Guardian did a study years ago that found out 70% of their claims from everybody out there were partial and not total. And so you would have like a doctor who maybe can still do their full duties, but they can only do it part time. They're more easily fatigued or something. Or maybe they can only do part of their duties, not all of them. So they're getting partial payment of their income, but not some of it. So if you're in a partial disability situation, these policies without a partial or residual rider, it's going to be all or nothing. You're either totally disabled, get the whole amount, or if you're partially or not disabled, you don't get anything. This makes it where for those 70% of claims you're going to get paid a partial or proportionate benefit to make up the income you've lost. And since it's such a high number, a high proportion of the total disabilities, we think that that's absolutely essential to be have the partial coverage on there. So as far as we're concerned, that ends the essential ones. Now you kind of get to the optional ones. And the first optional one I'll bring up is cost of living adjustment. A cost of living adjustment is there so that if you get disabled, after that first year being disabled, every subsequent year, they're going to give you a bump up in what they're paying you. It's just meant to help offset inflation. Obviously, God forbid, but if you're disabled for 20 years and you get the same payout, you're going to be buying less and less as time goes on. So this is there to help you in case that happens. You have a long-term disability and inflation would be really detrimental to you. So a cost of living adjustment, we basically say it's, we would lean towards it being on the more essential side if you're under 45 because a, a likely disability would be much longer. If you're over 45, certainly over 50, all of a sudden it becomes really optional and you have to decide, is it worth the extra cost? Because it can get fairly expensive the older you are. Another one is catastrophic coverage. Catastrophic is where they will increase the payment to you if you're ever disabled to the point you can't perform two or more of the ADLs. And some of them have some other stipulations too, but basically if you're really badly disabled, this rider will add more benefit to the payment they're sending you and help offset those increased expenses. Now, I, I personally think it's important. We talk to the insurance companies, very few of them have people on these catastrophic claims, maybe five people at any given time. So it's not very likely 
but it might only make up two or three percent of the overall cost of your policy. So we have a lot of doctors who add catastrophic because nobody wants to be that person, right? Nobody wants to be the one who saved two or three percent and then has a catastrophic disability where there's an extra five thousand a month in costs that they end up shifting to a loved one or someone else. So for the cost, I think it's probably a good idea, but again, it's optional. And then just last ones here, you have things like student loan writer. We would prefer you see your money, your premium money go towards buying more base benefit because you have jurisdiction over that. You can choose where that money goes if you get disabled. Most of the student loan writers, if you get disabled, that money goes directly to the student loan provider or servicer. And so, you know, what good is it if they're paying a thousand or fifteen hundred a month towards your loans and you're, you're sitting at your house starving and have to <laughs> file for bankruptcy? So if you had an extra fifteen hundred coming directly to you, you could decide how much goes to the student loans and how much goes towards actually just living. But in some cases, if you've already maxed out what you can get, then absolutely, in addition to that, adding the student loan writer, if you've got the student loans, might might make a lot of sense. Uh, and there's a few others, but just know that those are really the core ones that you want to look into and uh, make decisions on. But I'd say ONOC and residual or partial coverage, absolutely. The others, kind of depending on your situation. Yeah, that was a great overview on that. So as we round it out, thank you so much for being on. You guys are doing a fantastic job over at Pattern. If anyone is interested in running a quote through Matt and his awesome team, you can go to financialresidency.com slash pattern, P-A-T-T-E-R-N. But Matt, where else can they find out more about what you guys are doing and a little bit, maybe just a quick overview on your background if they weren't familiar with you guys until they heard you on the show? Sure. Well, I started out my life as a general financial planner, and I just realized that I really wanted to help a sub-segment of the population. I wanted to specialize in a group that was smart and could have great conversations and could learn all the things about finances, but who generally didn't know things about finances and actually needed someone to help them. And needless to say, I came across doctors. And so our company was founded on the principle that doctors are smart, but they have big targets on their back. And you have all sorts of unscrupulous people out there trying to sell them everything you can imagine. And 99% of it's not the right stuff and it's not good for them. So we just said, what would happen if we took an educational approach to this old thing called insurance, which has this bad rap, right? I never grew up saying I want to sell insurance, but we just found an industry that was known for being bad. And we said, what if we became educational? And what if we went to these docs and said, hey, we're going to help you do this on your time. We're going to use technology to make it simple and easy. We know that you're burdened by time constraints. We know that you have all this stuff you're learning and focusing on that's, that's inside of your medical duties. And so what if we bring it to you? What if we bring the information, the education to you and then make obtaining it simple and easy and fast? And so that's really the hallmark of our company It's when you come to us, you come to patternlife.com, you click on get a quote request. Obviously, you can go through financialresidency.com slash pattern. However you come to us, you're going to get someone on there who's met with thousands of doctors and you're going to get someone who's going to educate you on it. And it's going to be your decision, but you're going to be empowered with the information and then you're going to be given steps to take care of it and get this off your to-do list fast and easy and we make it simple. At the end of the day, we care about doctors. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where people can give it lip service, but we have been over backwards to make all of our processes so that it's as simple and easy for doctors to learn about, take care of it and feel good that they made the right decision and got it right the first time. So that's a little bit about our background and how we try to make things really easy. Yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on. And, and for those of you listening, like this is really, really important stuff. This is why I'm, I don't just talk about it myself. I'm bringing people on. So you hear from more than just 
crusty old Ryan over here telling you to go get insurance, <laughs> right? I want you guys to get this stuff in place. It's really hard to get the momentum to go like, okay, finally, today's the day. You know you have to do it and you know you're going to do it. We'll make today be the day to actually get stuff done. It's the hardest thing is to get going. But once you start doing it, because I know you're going to get something in place, then you're going to get excited. You're going to do the next goal and the next goal and the next goal. And then you're going to email me in six months and be like, dude, I completed a whole financial plan. This is fantastic. And that's the emails I like receiving because I get those. Those are what actually keep me motivated and going. But Matt, thank you so much for being here. It's been awesome to hang with you, to learn all about this stuff. And you know what? I got to give the insurance companies props. They're actually stepping up a little bit and helping physicians in a pandemic. And that's, it's hard for me to say that I'm happy that insurance company is doing something, but they're doing it. And I appreciate you sharing the message. So thanks again for being on. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. All right, it's time for our recap. And there's always three takeaways that I want you to walk away with. And our first takeaway is that under normal circumstances, insurance companies have their own way of accepting new policy holders. But under COVID-19 circumstances, you wonder whether or not that would change. And according to Matt, they did. We've seen a lot of things. We've seen everything from them extending grace periods from 30 days if you can't make your payment on your policy, you know, out to 90 days or giving you two extra months to actually make payments on your policies. A lot of them are relaxing their medical requirements. So you used to have to do labs and a physical to get coverage. And a lot of them are either doing away with it completely or at least raising the limits for which you have to get those done. Our second takeaway is that if you've ever applied for disability insurance in the past and were denied, there's a chance for denial again. But because of COVID-19 has brought on unprecedented times, it might be worth trying to apply again. Anyone that's got some health issues and they're saying, hey, I've either applied before or I've been scared to apply, it's now. It's a good time for sure. And our third takeaway is getting disability insurance is normally difficult to get approved for. But if you have an opportunity to get it, Do it while you can, and the earlier, the better. So much of life is unforeseen, right? So so you got to get it while you're as young and healthy as possible. Even if you've had some health stuff, you're still probably healthier than you will be 10 years from now or five years from now. So the sooner you can get some disability insurance locked in, the better, because in a lot of cases, you also, you not only buy that first policy, but you get the guaranteed right to increase it. And now it's one of my favorite segments that we do is our quick community update. And I want to kind of give a a blanket disclaimer on this one because it's not necessarily just in our group. I'm seeing this across the internet is that I am seeing just, just a huge influx of incredibly deceptive information out there that many of you probably aren't aware that it's even harmful. And this is people that are really trying to sell other products and trying to sell based on fear or just they simply have not done their research and are posting and commenting and doing things that they just don't have all the facts and information. And unfortunately, people are taking either that to heart or doing something and putting something in action when they shouldn't be, or they're getting sold bad products. And so one of the things that I strive for is to make sure that all of you are getting great information, not just here on the podcast, but also in our free Facebook communities. But if you haven't joined us, please do go to financialresidency.com slash community. Ask your questions. I'll make sure that we're addressing those in a safe environment. So I'll see you guys there. Oh, wait, before we end, it's time for that important disclaimer. So I want you guys to listen up here. I love being here. I love doing this podcast. I honestly, I'm honored that you're here. 
this podcast allows me to nerd out on cash flow and budgeting and financial goals and investments and really all things money. And some of these topics aren't the sexiest. I get it, but you're here and that's what matters. And I work really hard at delivering great content in the podcast, but here's the catch. I don't know anything about you or what your financial needs are unless you're already a client. And then that's a totally different story. So please consult your attorney, a CPA, reach out to us. We're fee-only financial planners at Physician Well Services before you take any action or making any decisions affecting your hard-earned money. All right, everyone, have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. Cheers.